Hey everyone, we're sponsored today by Braven Audio, who are a great company bringing you high quality portable audio so you can listen anywhere you are. They've got a great range of speakers and headphones, and because you are a listener of this show, and a fucking legend if I may add as well, you can get your Braven speaker or headphones, anything from Braven Audio, for 25% off. All you have to do is go to braven.com.au, that's B-R-A-V-E-N.com.au, pick out what you want to get, go to the checkout, and type in the offer code FRIENDS at checkout. You know, like the show, Friends, and also kind of like all my friends are in bar bands, yeah, like we're working on working on some separate levels there. Uh, so yes, braven.com.au. With the offer code FRIENDS at checkout, you will get 25% off. Okay, on with the show. everybody, David James Young here for another week of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in and checking this out. Really appreciate you being here. Thanks so much for your time. You can see the episode title. You know what's going down. You know how fucking excited I am to tell you that today's guest in episode 99 is none other than Gareth Lydiard. I've been listening to Gareth's music for over a decade. Uh, I discovered the drones around the time of their album Wait Long by the River and The Bodies of Your Enemies Will Float By, which came out in 2005. And I've seen them probably about eight or nine times. They are one of my all-time favourite bands to ever come out of this country. I think Gala Mill is possibly the best Australian album of the 2000s. It's it's a contentious topic, but yeah, Gala Mill does that for me. It's always really, really spoken to me. I, I've just always been in awe of Gareth. I've gotten to see him play solo as well a few times and I recently got to see him perform for the very first time with his new band Tropical Fuckstorm featuring uh, Fee from the Drones on Bass, uh, Erica from Harmony on Guitar and Keyboards and the legendary Lauren Hamill on Drums. In the afternoon before I saw that show I got to speak with Gareth out the back at the Lansdowne Hotel in Sydney. I want to give a massive massive thank you straight up to Stacey Piggott over at Secret Service PR for making this one happen. I am so so appreciative of that and I am ecstatic to be bringing you this interview. I was super, super nervous going into this one. I'm not going to lie. This was a pretty big deal for me, but I think I did okay, all things considered. And it was cool to get some stories from across Gareth's career, from starting out in the mid-90s over in Perth, right up to touring the world with TFS very, very recently. TFS have a brand new album that is going to be out this month. It is called A Laughing Meet Death in Space. That is its real title. It's fucking sick. They are also going on tour from the end of April through May. Please go along and check them out. I will definitely be at their next Sydney show, which is on the 5th of May at the Oxford Art Factory, supported by Orion and 14 Nights at Sea. 
There are plenty of other great shows happening. Uh, Melbourne, Brisbane, uh, Newcastle. Uh, you can find all of this out by, you know, you know what? Fuck it. Google Tropical Fuckstorm. You know, have that on your Google search history. <laughs> have that weighing on your conscience. Uh, you can also search TFS Records on Facebook if you were NSFW. Okay, won't keep you much longer. Just another reminder that we are sponsored by Braven Audio. Thanks to the legends at Braven Audio for supporting and sponsoring this podcast and making this shit happen. Go to braven.com.au, pick out a speaker, pick out some headphones, pick out whatever you like, and on me, because you listen to this podcast, and because I fucking love you, you can get 25% off with the offer code FRIENDS, braven.com.au, offer code FRIENDS. Also want to remind you that this is a fan and listener supported podcast. If you would like to get the word out, please rate and review and subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or on Stitcher, so you can get us over there. Anywhere you get podcasts, you can find us. Yeah, spread the word, tell people about it. I'm sure you all have a Drones fan in your life. I'm sure you all have people that love a bit of Gareth Lydiard. So maybe send this over their way and say, hey, I know you like Gaz. Here's a 40-minute chat with Gaz. It's a real good time. Definitely check it out. And if you are in a position to do so, we are so, so, so appreciative of all the support over on Patreon. For as little as $1 a month, you can help keep this podcast up online and help keep me going. It's, it's, it's literally a home job operation. I'm recording this in my bedroom as we speak. So all of the support that comes through is so, so very appreciated. If that is at all of interest, please head over to patreon.com slash barbands. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash barbands. Finally, big announcement. I have two guests to announce for the Barbands 100th episode, which is happening in a couple of weeks' time. It is going down at the Red Rattler Theatre, and I can confirm two of my three guests for that show. First up, we've had his bandmate very, very early on in the history of the podcast, a, uh, a absolute legend of Australian punk and uh, a guy that I've definitely been very, very intimidated by in the past, but I'm very happy to call a friend now, Jay Wally. That's right, Mr. Jason Wally, lead singer, sole founding original member of Frenzel Rom, is going to be joining us for Bar Bands 100. And our second guest is... I don't even know how, <laughs> how this happened. I don't even know where this magical journey has taken us. But I literally have a childhood hero going on this podcast and is going to be a part of Bar Bands 100. He is currently in a band called The Soul Movers. And you know him from his time in The Wiggles. That's right, Murray Cook. Murray Cook is going to be joining us as one of our guests for Bar Bands 100, and I could not be more excited to tell you that. This is a huge, huge deal, and I'm really looking forward to having both Jason and Murray, and a third guest as well, coming along and celebrating 100 episodes and doing our first ever live episode. So, to recap, Bar Bands 100 featuring Jay Wally, Murray Cook, 
and a third guest to be announced. That's all going down on the 28th of April. It is a Saturday afternoon. Doors are at two, $10. Please come down and check it out. I would love to see you there. All right. Now I've definitely gone on for way, way too long. Let's get into it right now. This is episode 99 with the man, the myth, the legend, Gareth fucking Lydiard. She'll be there for a while For the wounding of a rental car And a ram rain in sunshine She's right there Hi everyone, I'm Debbie J. Chung and all my friends are in bar bands. Today, I'd like to introduce you to my friend, Gareth Lydia. Hi. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, man. How are you going? I'm not too shabby, man. I'm not too shabby. We're in Sydney. We're at the Lansdowne and uh, Tropical Fuckstorm are here for the very, very, very first time. Mm. How have the show's been going so far? This is a whole new dealie for you, you know, a couple yeah, of people, couple be, new people. Yeah, yeah, first time in Sydney, this will be our 23rd show, all together, but we've done most of them overseas, so... Yeah, that's a that's a weird uh, trial, <laughs> baptism by fire, isn't it? Yeah. Throwing, throwing a brand new band into a tour. It's kind of cool, it's, it's the easiest way to do it, actually. You reckon? Yeah, you kind of get good, quick. Yeah. Just do a night, every night, every night, every night, and then, yeah, rather than stretching it out over a period of months. Sure. Yeah, it's actually a really good way to do it. Unreal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> last time you were here was uh, under slightly tragic circumstances. You were the last act to ever perform at Newtown Social Club. Yeah, yeah. How were those shows for you? Um, they were really good. They were. I did two. I did an afternoon show and a, and a late show. Um, yeah, they were amazing, but yeah, what a drag. Yeah. Yeah. Shitty, but yeah. Thankfully, this place opened up in the in the time since you've been gone. So, yeah, you know, yeah. So kind of a closed door, open window situation. I think. Yeah, crazy. But you know, like Sydney, you know, every five years, everybody's despairing, and then next yeah. five years, it's on the up, and then yeah, yeah it's sort of just this endless. Yeah, kind of it's very curve, you know? yeah. yeah. Do you remember the first time you came to Sydney? Uh, yeah, in about about nine ninety six, and then I moved here in two thousand. Yeah, right. And it was different, yeah. There was like same kind of thing. It was on the wane at that point. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's just it's always been on the wane. So it's kinda of weird. <laughs> it's not it's not it never dies completely. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. If Adelaide did the same thing as Sydney, no one would freak out because Adelaide's not big. But it's, like, yeah. it's just because it's a big town. But yeah. It doesn't mean it's going to be go. It's not going to go extinct. Yeah. You know? yeah. It's always there's always something bubbling under that'll always come through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I begin this by uh, tracing back the initial interest in music, specifically where it changed from being something that maybe you were seeing on TV or listening to the radio or something like that to being something where it clicked and do you realise you wanted to do this, you wanted to sing, play guitar, be in a band, anything like that? Like, how did music kind of factor into your childhood and, and you growing up? Was it always kind of a presence? Yeah, 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 but it wasn't. My family, they were, you know, the English, my mum and dad are English. And yeah. So they had, they just had the sort of, all the Rolling Stones and the Beatles, but they weren't, you know, hardcore about it. They weren't fully musical. But my mum used to like all sorts of music, 
you know, she's like Dolly Parton and she's like Pat Friday and yeah, you know, and she was just down with letting me do whatever. And but I would hear music and just respond to it. But I just thought everyone responded to it the way I respond to it. Mm. Which, but then it took me until my sort of mid or late teens to realise that not everyone was as into it as I was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, you know. Someone would say, you know, you want to chat a girl up at a party or just listen to Hendrix. I'd be like, well, I'd just listen to Hendrix. Yeah. That was like, just honestly more interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. And it, it, it just happened really naturally. And then I would, I would respond to really heavier kind of music. Like, I remember hearing Ice Tea. Oh, sure, yeah. When I was about 10 and like that song Colors was a big hit. Yeah. And it was amazing because it's like a story rather yeah. than some sort of boring pop song about... Yeah. Love and all that shit. It was this really heavy story. It's like, fuck, that's intense. Yeah, just, I don't know, hearing Blondie and hearing Pink Floyd and hearing just shit that was on the radio and going, wow, yeah, wow, yeah, yeah. wow. Yeah, um, and then eventually, I don't know, I started playing guitar when I was fucking 16 or 17 or something. Right, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I'd been playing saxophone before that because I was into jazz. Yeah, right. But no one else was into jazz, it's just me. I was just nerdy. <laughs> And then it was only like we moved to the to the east when we were 24, right? And that was the first kind of serious play, you know what I mean? Like yeah. Before that, we'd we'd been doing it constantly for fun, playing in bands. Yeah. And shit. It was you know it was sort of just a, a light went off and it was like yeah fuck, my light bulb went on. And it was like fuck, I'm just gonna keep doing this. Really. Yeah. So you grew up in Perth. Uh, yeah, Perth, sort of up on the, in the north, on the northern beaches, and in London as well, back and forth. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two very disparate kind of places. Um, yeah, yeah, they were, yeah. They were really different, yeah. and, um, but it was cool, yeah. Were you, like, kind of close to, like, a local music scene or anything like that growing up, or was it kind of something you were distant from, like, working your way into? Not really. I mean, we grew up on the beach, and uh, it was really... There's good surf beaches there, so it was really kind of macho culture, and it was kind of it was before people were interested in living near the beach, so it was sort of a working class, low middle class suburb. So yeah, it was a sort of you know with the people who were working class there were kind of upwardly mobile. I guess that's what made them lower middle class, right? Yeah. So they could you know it was you know all my friends, their fathers were bricklayers and prison guards and mechanics. And, Fishermen and all that shit, but yeah. it was like their kids, my friends were were in a position where they could maybe you know get themselves one step up the up the run. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. But it was still pretty rough, and it was just I don't know. It was a reason to be in a band, really, it was because I couldn't surf. I wasn't a very good fighter. I was tiny <laughs> yeah. compared to these huge, scary dudes. Yeah, and you know they were always having parties. They were, this is all the people in high school who were above me. And, so we just started playing in bands because they needed bands at their parties and and that was how it started really. Right. What yeah. was your first band? Uh, a band called The Polyps, which was just, you know, one, two, three, four, bang, 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 bang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bad yeah. Brains like hardcore, yeah. Ramones, yeah. So, and that's the way all these older surfers dug it, you know. Yeah. So, you, yeah, you were playing guitar? Uh, I was playing bass. Yeah, right. And then, so I just graduated, you know, to singing and to electric guitar. And, yeah. Do you remember the first show you played? Um, yeah, it would have been a, a, yeah, a tavern on the beach. Yeah, this old castle Were you old enough to get in the, into the tavern? Uh, no, but that, you know, it wasn't a problem back then. You'd just <laughs> go in. Yeah. And they knew, but they didn't care. The licensing laws 
the cops didn't give a shit, so you just go in. We used to, our local was a, a pub that was half full of like coffin cheetah bikies, and mm. the other half was just teenage surfies. And, and you know, no one messed with each other. <laughs> we obviously would never mess with them. Yeah. They were happy to have us, you know, share a beer garden with them, and it was cool. And then, you know, there'd be bands on, and it was cool. It was weird. Like, Sick. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about kind of the, the bands and stuff you were kicking around in before the drones started. Uh, well, they were, you know, sort of the high school kind of punk bands that I played in, and that was all just about learning. Yeah. And playing these parties, and, you know, it was sort of a social thing, and a way into a social thing, and a way into, I think, just being accepted by, yeah, just surfers are rough, you know, West Australian surfers, you know, they're quite punchy. Yeah. So that helped. It was almost a security thing. And then after that, me and Rui, who I went to high school with, yeah, we just started playing. We got a four-track machine, mm-hmm. and then we stopped playing gigs, and we just sort of zoned in on this tape machine and smoked weed, and somehow accumulated a lot of different equipment, like synthesizers and drum machines and samplers, yeah, Hammond organs, and all of it was like clapped out shit. And we'd just plug it all in and run it all the wrong way and, <laughs> and then make these funny little four-track things, which we're releasing soon. Like, it's put together a really cool, funny compilation. Of oh, wow. Shit. Yeah, from the mid-90s. And then, um, yeah, did that and kind of incubated. And then then we answered an advert in a paper for a band called the Gutterville Splendor Six. And, like, I mean, we would have been fucking 19. Mm-hmm. And the singer in this band was 37. Whoa! And um, and so we they were into what well, we were into kind of stuff of birthday party and beast of bourbon and suicide. And yeah, yeah. That sort of shit. And then through Morris, this guy, this, this older guy, we learned just so much stuff. Because up until then, I mean, we were into weird shit, but you know, to have a 37 year old just go, all right, this guy was, you know, well, well. Advanced of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he showed us Lee Hazelwood and fucking, I don't know, everything like. Just, just gave us an education and an education on how to play, you know, instead of just hard and fast but with dynamics and. And yeah, and then that was our biggest education. And then we started, that was the band called the Gutterville Splendor Six. And then after a few years, we just moved to, to Melbourne and started that. Got serious. So. Had you been to Melbourne before that, or was it just kind of a, a gamble to just... <laughs> no, no. Yeah. And this is like pre-internet, so fucking... Like, we didn't know. We went to Sydney first, and uh, had a falling out with one of our band members here, one of the drones guys, and then... It was just hard find, finding somewhere to rent in Sydney, because it was fucking expensive. Oh, yeah. And then, just moved to Melbourne, because eventually people were going, well, if you want to be in a band, go to fucking Melbourne. But we didn't know that because we were from Perth and, and fucking, you know, the eastern states, as they're known. Uh, yeah. It may as well be fucking Argentina. <laughs> yeah. Such a foreign concept. Yeah, yeah. really, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, when you when you moved over, like, what were your kind of first impressions? Like, trying to, you know, find yourself, you know, a stranger in a strange land? Um, It was love, really. Like, yeah, because just to see a culture... I mean, in Sydney as well, just to see a cult- culture where it was okay to be in a band, because in Perth it wasn't. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's a real police state. I mean, it wasn't anything like 1970s Brisbane, mm. but fucking, 
music. You know, and if we play different kind of music, everything in Perth was pop, and it's just sort of pure old shit, really. Yeah, and yeah. we were just going for something a bit more interesting or more advanced or something, just because that was just more fun for us. And then we, so we had a small scene, but coming to Melbourne was like, holy shit, it was amazing. And it didn't take long till people were welcoming, and that was new for us. Yeah. yeah. Where was the first drone show? Uh, the first drone shows were in Perth. They would have been a couple of backyard parties and a pub gig. Uh, and then the first one in Melbourne, so the first one when we moved, was mm. at the Greyhound Hotel in St Kilda. Then the Espy Hotel, then the Greyhound, then the Espy. So it was like the first four. And there was a booker down there called Neil who was kind of the first person to notice that we might not completely suck. <laughs> so yeah. But then it was weird, like, because we, we needed to record. We played a bunch of gigs and saved up some money. And then when, you know, with the plan to record, and then we went to Atlantis Studios in Melbourne just because it was, it kept showing up on the back of you know, like good albums yeah. in the 80s and shit, like Bad Seeds albums and shit. So we went there, and it was reasonably priced, but uh, we met a guy called Craig who lived upstairs at the studio as a drummer, and he was in um, These Immortal Souls, which is a like Ron right. Howard's band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then through Craig, we met everybody. We met Dan Kelly and by him, Paul Kelly. By Paul Kelly, we met everyone from X and... All the old kind of Morris Frawley and Charlie Owen and yeah. Spencer Jones, and, and so that was we met the old crew, and then mm. and then we we met a lot of young crew. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I so, mean, was that kind of was that intimidating? Like, you know, it's like well, yeah, it was, always yeah. in the back of your head. You're like, it's fucking Paul Kelly. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it was crazy because like Dan Kelly, he was our age, so we were like 24 mm. and broke and down in St Kilda and Paul Kelly was always on tour and this is before Dan Kelly was in his band so we would just stay at his house yeah right and he has an amazing record collection which we you know he, he has everything from the most extreme fucked up weird stuff to you know all sorts of Mozart and mm. like, everything in between he's, he's got great taste yeah and then he had lots of you know nice wine and shit and we just <laughs> hook into that and he never told us off it was, yeah, <laughs> it was always very nice just saying so we just yeah yeah we just um house sit his house yeah it was amazing it was we we fell into the you know right scene right away mm. yeah it was really cool yeah yeah I, I i know like drones was this thing that kind of bubbled under for a while you know before i guess you know wait long was like a pretty big turning point like was it was it weird to kind of be seen as like you this called overnight sensation when you've been in the, at that point you had been doing the band for like nearly 10 years um yeah yeah yeah, we weren't young. Mm. Like when Wait Long took off, we were. Uh, it was two thousand and five mm. or two thousand and four. So yeah, we were like twenty seven, twenty eight. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's when most people end their rock and roll career. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and it was good in a way because you know you, you see people like Daniel Johns. If you get, you know, I mean, he got huge, obviously. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you get even remotely as big as that a lot of people blow wind up your ass that's true yeah but by the time we people started blowing wind up our ass we were adults <laughs> so and we always thought it was just it's not true like you can be a shit hot band but it's and that's that's all you are 
Yeah. It doesn't make you better or superior or... You know what I mean? It's yeah. Just, it's just you can get up and play the fuck out of a bunch of songs. That's cool. I mean, that's great. But yeah. it's, it doesn't make you... Yeah. We didn't think we were God's gift or we didn't get carried away. Yeah. And, yeah, and we never got seduced by the sort of industry and we always just stayed away from it. We were suspicious of it. And yeah, it's funny... But I can't remember, it's like we got a dinosaur, sort of almost a worldwide dinosaur junior tour. Yeah. And we got that, we won that AMP award, and there was something else that all happened within like fucking a month of each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we went from, you know, having shitty jobs to being employed by music. Yeah. It was insane. Totally. Yeah. Had you done, had you done much like overseas stuff by that point? Yeah. One tour, one tour, I think. We sort of went in 2003 and then didn't go back for almost two years yeah right which felt like an eternity but um we'd played a lot around Melbourne we just played heaps yeah, so, yeah 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 and I think I mean I was talking to Erica in TFS about this the other day so yeah a lot of people forget I mean American bands don't forget because they've got lots of places to play but sure Australian bands forget you've got to play a lot to be good yeah you know what I mean like, yeah 100% you, like, you'll see an American band and then they'll just blow you away live it's not like you can remember a song because they might not have any songs, but it's just they're so good at playing because they they got 52 cities. Yeah. Where we have five. And yeah, so, yeah, it was we made sure we played all the time. Got good like that. What were the first few drones tours like? Was it kind of the thing where you'd just try and play anywhere or did you kind of realise early on, like, oh, okay, we get, we get crowds here, here and here, let's just kind of stick to that? Um... It was... No, we just play anywhere, anywhere they would have us. And as well, we were kind of... Sort of snotty little shits. I mean, <laughs> where we come from as well, like, it's not... It's not like Melbourne is hoity-toity in comparison. And, mm. uh, yeah, so... And we... I guess we had a chip on our shoulder because we were from Western Australia, so we had an inferiority complex. Yeah. Which made us kind of aggressive and, and uh, you know competitive and sort of antisocial not in a massive way but enough to piss people off and <laughs> like we used to do things like we'd support a band and use their gear then smash it <laughs> and just think that was okay which is bizarre <laughs> <laughs> like if anyone did that to us it'd be like fuck man yeah <laughs> but the back wild. then it was like the you know the, the band would complain and you'd be like what the fuck what are you talking about? That was a great show. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, now I realise that's horrible. So, but yeah, we were really focused. We were really, we were into it. We wanted to do something with it. And yeah, we were cunts. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like when, when the shows, you know, started to get bigger, you know? Like uh, like you said, you were kind of chipping that away at weird, things yeah. for a while and then to, you know, be able to upgrade and, you know, be able to play theatres comfortably and stuff like that. Yeah, but we played... The Corner Hotel in Melbourne, which is like 800. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd been playing the Tote, which is more like three and a half, mm. like, <laughs> 350. And, and um, you know, being like, wow, that's pretty bizarre being able to do that. And yeah. Then, and then um, then we sold the Corner out. And then that was weird. I remember that feeling weird because usually, yeah, we had this sort of antisocial thing where we would, it was sort of us versus the crowd. And it sort of gave us you know fuel you know something to focus on and, and you know we try and 
blow every other band away and, and then and really shit the crowd, annoy them, just sort of, I don't know, just bring the bad vibes. Suddenly, people wanted to see it. Mm. I remember it being really very confronting and strange, like, because our whole shtick was comfortably, you know, formed and it was this thing where we would just go out and just shit everybody. Mm. Now, you can't shit people who are there to enjoy you. Yeah. You can't do that. You can't flip the bird at someone who likes you. <laughs> and then just going, holy shit, like, what the fuck are we... What angle are we meant to come, you know, like, come from? Yeah. So, yeah, that was weird. And that took. then we had to learn a whole new, almost like a new stagecraft or some shit. Yeah, so, pretty weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can imagine, I can imagine. As time went on, you know, like... Uh, the the band you know kind of garnered this pretty solid live reputation and I can imagine you know as someone who's been you know performing for you know well over a decade that would have been a kind of a gratifying thing where you know people discuss the band purely you know within that context of like you have to see them live that's where that's where you, it makes sense you know it's a funny thing that like, you live in a bubble when you're that age and you're doing something like that that yeah. seriously so. You know, if someone went, oh, you guys are really good live, we would have just gone, yeah. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? And mm. Where this just sounds ridiculous now, like, you know, if someone said that around me at my age now, I'd be like, fucking wanker. You know? <laughs> but that's all we thought there was. There wasn't any, nothing else was meaningful to us. And yeah. Yeah, so we did that. Um, yeah, but I mean, we got that reputation because we wanted it yeah that's I mean I think you know every now and again I write a song that's not that crash hot or yeah. you know some songs are better than others blah 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 so I don't sort of have you know complete faith and, and love for myself but mm. you know we are good live that's you know because we work for that yeah know? yeah of course yeah. Was there any particular moment across, you know, touring and, you know, getting to play bigger shows or anything like that? You know, it's that, it's that very trite notion of, you know, growing up when you're starting out in a band of having it like, you know, like, oh, we've made it, you know, like something has, you know, kind of gotten to a, a new peak or a new high or something like that. Was there something that kind of came up, you know, maybe a gig or a show or anything like that that you never thought when you were starting out? that you'd be able to do yeah there's we've had heaps like sure uh oh fuck like I've we've played three times with Einstein and Neubauten we've played twice with Suicide uh played with Jesus Lizard Sonic Youth played with Motorhead yeah like we've played what else fuck just you know with Deerhoof Mm. Lightning Bolt I don't know like just lots of bands I really dig you know so each one of them you know was just weird it was you know weird lobbing up you know the first time I saw Suicide I was into Suicide in high school and they just seemed like the most remote you know untouchable legendary mythological fucking beast out there and then the first time I saw them I was literally just standing there on stage with him and sound check. Just so it's just bizarre, you know. Like, yeah. Yeah, like yeah, so we've done we've done lots of cool shit. Played with Dirty Three and you know, just to play with them and hang with them and, and, and 
things like that is, is mind blowing. Yeah, totally. Yeah, these are the, like these are all seminal bands. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, so yeah, we've we've had lots of crazy moments like that. It's it's been it's been good. Neil Young, Patty, you know. Oh fucking, sure, yeah. Yeah, we played with Patty Smith. We played fucking Smells Like Teen Spirit with her at the Opera House. We were her, you know, her backing band. Yeah, fucking like, hell. Shit like that, like it's crazy. <laughs> totally. And you just go, wow. <laughs> fuck is going on right yeah, yeah totally yeah. totally when yeah. all this was like when all the drone stuff was going on can, were you like doing solo stuff concurrently like was it when, did that kind of just come up circumstantially or when when did that kind of become something you wanted to kind of pursue um well I was doing solo shows I uh, just you know doing all the drone songs yeah uh, yeah and then you know they're, they're fun they were going well I was getting better at them as well and then so it just said, it seemed to make sense to write a bunch of songs just for that. Yeah. Solely. And yeah, so I did that. And as well, after 10 years of playing in a really, really loud, you know, electric guitar band, it just seemed like heaven to sit there with an acoustic guitar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was, that was that. But I mean, that thing, it's like, it's all songs. And often people go, you know, oh, there's a solo thing or a drone thing, but it's, it's all solo to me, like I see it. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, you have a band with a, a songwriter, singer-songwriter, yeah, and that band could be called Wilco, or you can have a band with a singer-songwriter, and that band could be called Warren Zevon, you know. Yeah. So, whatever it is, the guy who writes the song still has to go and tell the drummer it's 4-4 four, four, and tell yeah. the other guitar player it's A minor and so it's all the same to me yeah you know yeah I guess you know people would I guess differentiate considering the chronology of the band and you know people kind of coming and going over the years you know like we're leaving and then Dan coming in and you know like Mike leaving and then Chris coming back and stuff like that like you know, do you do you view things differently depending on you know what era of the band is is there, or you know like the people that you're playing with, etc. Uh yeah, 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 I do. Uh, there's been lots of little sort of epochs. Mm. Um, yeah, and there's been ups and downs, peaks and troughs. Um, but nothing chronic, nothing chronically bad. And then you know, like nothing. You know, it might sound a bit weird, but nothing chronically good. <laughs> I mean, it's not like we ever made much money or, you know, mm. consistently played to big crowds all over the joint. Sure, yeah. It's not like we were, you know, we're not Courtney Barnett or <laughs> King Gizzard or... Yeah, so it's never sort of broken out for us. But then, you know, we've been here 20 years. I've been doing this for 20 years and it's kind of... It slowly gets bigger year by year. Yeah. But it's almost as though... The amount of people who are into us on the planet, we've probably played that many fucking gigs. So yeah. it's, every gig is just one more human being. Whereas, you know, if you're I don't know, a band that blows up, it's fuck. You know, every gig is like 10,000 more. Than so, yeah, we've had, you know, peaks and troughs. Yeah. But it's been like, I remember President Obama sort of saying, talking about, saying, I'm cool, man, I'm cool. I kind of. I don't get hot and I don't get cold I don't get happy I don't get sad I don't get angry you know I don't get fucking ambivalent I just mm. you know like you know it's reliable and I would look at 
you know, my career like that. Although there's still a sense of insecurity, just wondering when the fuck I'll be back at fucking Seven yeah. Eleven. You know? <laughs> yeah. With uh, with things with the with the drones, you know, like uh, you know, you put put out that record last year, and then you know things ended up in about December of, of last year, and. Mm. You know, then there were all these changes. You know, TFS kind of took off and things like that. Did you? It was that kind of putting that to putting that to rest. Like, did you feel like everything had kind of come full circle with the drones? In a sense, it's come full circle. In the you know, when we were in Perth, we were just doing the weirdest shit. We were flying, you know, below the radar. Yeah. We weren't even flying. We were walking. <laughs> so we were just doing the most weird, whacked out stuff. Yeah, and then you know we we became a band that had a drummer and a bass player, and you know, and then so you have to kind of start making material that suits that setup. And then we moved to Melbourne, and there was a certain scene. There was sort of you know Powder Monkeys and sort of hard rock, you know, really full on punk. Yeah, so we kind of move in that direction a little more to sort of compete with them and at least get gigs and to kind of win at gigs you know because we saw every gig as some sort of death match or something yeah um you know so it moved away in a comfortable way and in, in, in an interesting way so you know it moved away from just absolute outright weirdness and I think that last drones record the feeling kind of free yeah was more like that initial weirdness. So in that sense, it's gone full circle. Mm. We came back, we just all went, let's just do something fucking weird. Yeah. Without one wondering about anything about our whether our touring equipment or what the crowd would think or anything, because those yeah. things are considerations. You know, with the pop band, they're front and center. With us, they're, they're just in the back of our minds, but they're there. Um, yeah, with feeling kind of free, it's like, fuck it, let's just do something weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then having done that, I guess it was just everyone else in that band has done lots of other shit. Yeah. Whereas me and Fiona haven't done much else. Mm. Had a couple other bands, been in a couple other bands for short yeah. periods. Whereas someone like Dan Luscombe has been in fuck knows how many bands. Like, sure, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we thought, fuck it, we'll do that for once. And yeah, that's what we're doing with mm-hmm. TFS. Do you, do you foresee the drones being something that you'll return to at any point? I think so, sooner or later, you know. Yeah. And I've done it so much at the moment, I'm ambivalent. Like, yeah. But, you know, naturally, I want to do it sooner or later. And, you know, you know we hang out anyway. Sure. All, all us guys. Um, and, I don't know. I would just say, usually it's up to me to be the cheerleader as far as... You know, just to have the enthusiasm and to get everyone infused. Not that they're not infused, but you, you really have to put a lot of wind under the wings of a band that's yeah. a bunch of people with jobs and, and kids and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. So rather than me do it, I just thought, fuck, I'll wait for someone external to do it. <laughs> you know, some agent or I don't know. So if anyone wants to, wants to do anything, <laughs> just, just, well fucking tell us 
Make us a deal. Make us an offer. <laughs> All right, sweet. We'll, we'll make it happen. Yeah, yeah. Have, yeah. Our, have our people call your people. Yeah, have your people talk to our people. <laughs> we'll do lunch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, so how, how long had you known Erica and and, uh, and Hamill by the um, by that point, like <laughs> forming TFS? Um, Erica for a couple of years, I guess. Cause yeah. Through Harmony, the band course, she's yeah. in, and then they toured with us at Branch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we would get the girls from Harmony to, to come to with us and sing with us. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. Um, and then Hammer, like, I had, I didn't know her. Like, none of us knew her. She was just, she moved down from Newcastle, and she was yep. in um, what is in uh, high tension. Yep. And I was just at a high tension gig with some friends, and it was her first show with them, and I was. Like, oh shit! Oh, it's just that thing. It's like, oh yeah, I remember that from the first time I saw her play. Yeah, She's a yeah, beast. yeah. That's the thing. Everybody just goes, wow. And like you know, when we've been touring in the states, and you know, after every gig, you walk off stage, and you know, you walk around, and people go, oh yeah, good gig, man. And they always with Hammer, they always go. Man, your drummer's fucking nuts. You know, it's like, yeah, she is. Yeah, yeah. So she's one of those. Which is good because I mean, my thing is like, she's sort of punk and, and metal drummer kind of thing, you know. But it's you know, she's got so much energy. Mm. You can teach anyone any style of anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can't teach them to go ballistic. <laughs> it just has to be in them. Yeah. And she's got that, so that's what you want. For sure. Starting point, you know. So yeah, she's amazing. Fuck yeah. Yeah. What was the first TFS show? Uh, it would have been in Melbourne. It was uh, oh, where was it? We did three before we went to America. I think it was at the Tote. Uh huh. Yeah, and it was kind of yeah. Again, full circle. <laughs> yeah, full circle. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Like uh, we um did three just warm ups with uh, false names, and uh, yeah, and then did our fourth show in Louisiana or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, right. So it was cool. So how, how did that get um, hooked up the US tour? Oh, through Band of Horses and uh, King Gears, who were just old mates. Yeah, right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You, how'd you end up with Band of Horses? Um, really, Ben, the singer, his brother Michael, years ago, was record shopping somewhere. They're Southerners, they're from like Raleigh around uh, the South, kind of. Oh, yeah, again, North Carolina. Yeah, Carolinas. And um, his brother was just in a record store and just saw. Wait long by the river or Gala Mill. Yeah, right. Had no idea about any of it and just took a punt and then dug it and then got Ben into it and then one day out of the blue Ben emailed and it was when Band of Horses were sort of blowing up mm. and uh, you know sort of My Morning Jacket stuff and you know Grizzly Bear mm. that sort of you know uh, Lumberjacky stuff <laughs> was was really picking up. Um, so we went over there and it, and just toured with them for a while, a few times, and just became really, really good mates. They're fucking hilarious. Yeah, and then uh, every few years, they come here, we go there, we always hang out, and uh, it just happened that they were doing a, a tour in the south, and then it just happened that King Giz were doing a tour at the same time, so we just hopped off Band of Horses and then hopped on to King Giz. It was really good. Yeah, right. Just lucked out, yeah. Perfect. And the, and the crowds were good? It was kind of receptive to what you were doing? Um, amazing, yeah. I mean, sometimes the band of horses crowd can be difficult because yeah. they're indie kids, but in the South, 
where they are less sophisticated or something they give less of a fuck about you know seeing something like us and then seeing something like a pitchfork type vibe Mm, you know mm. and I I mean I really like Band of Horses like um, the the crowds down south were fucking great it was weird Um, and then the crowds King Gears were really great too so we did you know up north in King Gears and Mm. yeah yeah it was it was the whole tour was fucking cool yeah does it does it feel like kind of starting over again in, in a lot of ways you know like basically you know doing all these shows and, and stuff like that and playing you know mostly material that people haven't heard um, yeah yeah it does but then you know there's been a lot of times with the drones where we could play you know 2,000 people in Melbourne and then if we're playing in Paris two weeks later we're playing to 300 people mm. and then if we're out of town in France, you know, sometimes we play to fucking, you know, 30 people. Yeah. You know, on a sort of in-between gig. It depends where we are. So we've always had it like that. It's never been this blanket success or blanket failure. It's just, mm. it's always been luck of the draw. So it's not like we ever got fat heads or ever ex- just expected glory. So it's kept us kind of sharp, I think, as well. Totally. Yeah, it's, it's every record or every gig is... You know, it's a it's a struggle for survival because because again, like we're not a hype band, so the only thing we got to live on is is, is being not shit. So we're desperately trying not to be shit at all times. Well, I think you're doing all right so far. <laughs> um, so we'll wrap it up here, but before we do that, uh, I ask this of all of my guests, and now it's your turn, Gaz. I want to know the best and worst shows that you have ever played in your entire life. The best, oh man, there's been a few bests. It depends. Well, we'll start with the worst. Okay. The, the worst was in York, in England. Okay. And uh, it was our amps simultaneously, you know, within five minutes of each other, sort of just blew, melted down. And then I sort of plugged into the PA, the rest of the band pissed off. Mm. It's about 10 years ago. And, uh, I just sort of carried on solo with an electric guitar plugged into the PA. And then um, the rest of the band were kind of on the side of stage watching me as I played to 10 people and one snotty little sort of 1977 textbook punk kid. (laughs) And then uh, our tour manager walked in from outside and said, "Uh, the van's been broken into. Oh, no. And then I finished up my song and went out there and every not the windscreen but every other window in our van had been smashed fucking hell and they'd stolen everything that Jesus wasn't Christ. on stage with us uh yeah so that sucked but we got all our shit back the cops found the guy on CCTV and then the guy was on the side of a canal a very muddy canal because <laughs> uh, it, it was just as though someone had run off all that shit and covered it in mud and uh, all laptops and everything and then um, we got it all back in police evidence bags and then had to drive down to Somerset or somewhere from the Midlands in fucking cold weather. With no windows? With no windows. Fuck, you couldn't get them replaced. Well, we did in Somerset. It was the only place. Cause it was like yeah. Sunday or something. Jesus. So we just had to find a dumpster and just got all this cardboard and shit out of it. And it was cold and loud in the van. So that was pretty funny. Fuck, that's brutal. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> And then, the best... Oh, man, I don't know. 
can't remember. I don't know. We, we have lots of good gigs. The best. It's been yeah. fun playing with TFS. It's just been yeah. fresh because the thing with the drones, it's like it's a well-oiled machine. So yeah, even if we haven't played for ages, we're kind of just psychically linked. Yeah. So it's we can't go too wrong. You don't have to. It's all muscle memory, you know. Mm, mm. So it's actually been exciting recently. You know, yeah. having to stay on your toes and. And do what we used to do in the early days of the drones, which is just, you know, play off the seat of your pants, yeah. just bounce off the walls and just go berserk, you know, and just hope that the, the wings don't fall off in the interim. <laughs> yeah, so, but I, yeah, man, I've we've played a lot of good shows. I don't know. It's a hard one. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> what immediately comes to mind? What's the hi- what, what's there on the highlight reel? Um, one, okay, it would be... We played in Rome with 33. Oh, fucking hell. And that was amazing. And that, like, it was just hilarious, like, because they've been touring and we've been touring. And then mm. it was just fun to have a bunch of very, you know, like-minded people, you know, the same nationality with the same sense of humour. And um, so we played and it was, it was awesome. And then, then they played and they were just in a funny mood and just, like, dedicating every song to us. But, you know, the way Warren... Ellis, I don't know if you've seen them, the way he just rants all this yep. funny shit. So he was just, <laughs> just doing that about us between every song, which was pretty cool. <laughs> okay, so there are two TFS 7 inches out in the universe. Are they, are they sold out or...? Uh, no. Still, still available? Yeah, we've got a bunch here. Yeah, Sweet, yeah. perfect. Yeah. Um, and there'll be a record next year? There'll be two more 7 inches than a record in May. Excellent. Yeah, if all goes well, if we don't right. completely fuck it up. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we've got that to look forward to. Any other touring plans, etc.? Uh, we'll, we'll tour when we do the full record. Sweet. Yeah. Perfect. So it should be good. Yeah. All right. Okay. 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 Yeah. I've got to go and sound check. Let's yeah. do it. All right, guys. Absolute pleasure, man. Thank no you so worries, much. Man. Cheers. I'm David Jemsel. All my friends. Are good luck.